the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. The stock market had a whoosh down on Tuesday. People don't like whooshes. When we were doing the show in the morning, it didn't feel that bad. But by the afternoon, it whooshed. Then we took down 800 points. Then we took a day off in observance of George H.W. Bush. And we all got to watch the awkwardness of Michelle Obama sitting next to President Trump in the cathedral when she's basically trashed him in her, in her book, saying she'll never forgive him. And they have to sit next to each other, right? She's pretty good at the frosty cold stares. Give her credit. Then you saw a sweet moment like George Bush basically reach out to his father or through his father and channel like diplomacy, giving Michelle Obama a mint, having earlier in the year given her a cough drop, showing that, yeah, we actually can work together, right? So we, we put that day behind us. Interestingly, I watched the markets last night. Watched a little bit of hockey, but I was watching foreign markets to see what today was going to be like, if that whoosh was going to continue, and it did. It got really volatile in the middle of the night. So I slept like a baby. Not. I started thinking about, wow, the timing, Christmas, trade war. What's doing this? Trade war, interest rates, the 10-year treasury is under 3% again. Mortgage rates should be dropping because it's a flight to safety. And the flight to safety is telling us smart money is content with 3% returns over the next 10 years. Okay, then, right? There's a flight to safety, and it's not expecting much. Now, we've seen the housing numbers get weaker, not fall apart, but get weaker for 11 straight months. We've seen GM say we're closing down three factories. I want to start playing a Billy Joel song, Allentown, or maybe it's Born in the USA with China. When I was a little kid, Russia was the problem. Russia was the enemy. And then China... We knew there was billions of them, right? We knew it. And eventually, all these poor little Chinese people are going to start becoming middle-class Chinese people because they're building factories. So in 2000, we had a great relationship with China and a horrible relationship with Russia. They were our enemies. Now, China appears to be our enemies. Russia's just not an economic powerhouse. So we don't care. We brush them aside. They invade nations like or they steal land like Crimea from Ukraine because it's a small nation. They can bully a small nation. Although I did hear they have a laser now that is pretty amazing for military purposes. So to put the China thing into context, we didn't care about the imbalances. And you have to give President Trump some credit. It's imbalanced. They steal our trade secrets. They don't do joint ventures with us. They send us a lot of their junk because they can manufacture cheaper than anyone else because they pay people poor. 
their human rights issue is already a problem. But we turn the other cheek because we could use their cheap manufacturing. I could use my Nikes being made in China if they're only going to cost me 100 bucks. If they're made in the United States, $200, right? Chinese economy is no longer a pipsqueak. So President Trump and the Republican Party said, let's try to figure this out. The Chinese economy is second in the world with a bullet. The GDP now of at least $14 trillion, up from a trillion in 2000. That is a bullet. That is a screaming, running bullet of an economy. China's per capita GDP is only $10,000 per person versus the United States at 63000 But it's starting to close the gap quickly, so they're becoming richer consumers, wealthier consumers. I don't think richer is the right word, right? But Chinese never kept their promises in ending the trade imbalance and the joint venture requirements, rolling back one-sided tariffs and putting it into IP theft. So we always looked at China as, well, they need to start playing along at some point. China's entered into the World Trade Organization, yet 17 years after China entered the World Trade Organization, it haven't opened its economy to foreign competition. It retains, it retains joint venture requirements and ownership limits. So... It's kind of a Faustian Dr. Faustus. Do you remember the literature that you used to read in high school and college? It's a deal with the devil. And it's gone kind of negative because China's not changing their ways. Like I said, we turned the other cheek when they were a smaller economy, becoming a bigger one. But now that they're a big one, something needs to get done. Something needs to be re, re, refocused. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. China has increased their military footprint. China is trying to stomp out corruption, but giving their governments more power. Um, they have a thing called Made in China. Remember how we had that Made in the USA? So China isn't our enemy, but they're our rival. They're our frenemy, so to speak. Words matter. And what's happening right now in China and the U.S. relationship, it's interesting because Canada arrested an executive from China who clearly broke U.S. sanctions with Iran. One of the things President Trump did was he put sanctions back on Iran to limit the amount of oil they could sell. And Iran will say things like, well, we'll sell you oil if you give us computers. And China's like, sure. So China's in trouble. Now they've been caught. Now they have an executive that has been caught and probably will get extradited to the United States. It's getting messy. And I don't see a quick way out of this one. Because trade agreements take a long time to write and ratify. Then again, I don't see President Trump getting reelected if the market continues to be volatile on the downside. And maybe China just waits it out. Let's see what the next regime does. Because that's about how long it's going to take to get a trade deal done. Year and a half to two years. It's not a document that's one page long. It's not new. Let's cut the tariffs. Cut the cheese. Oh, poor Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. So it's an ugly day out there. And it's been an ugly two days. If you look at Tuesday and Thursday and Wednesday, we had off. Tomorrow, we're going to get the jobs report. Maybe that'll shine some bright light that we, too, have jobs and we, too, have wages. But Dow's down 700 points. It opened down about 450. That brings its two-day total to, you don't even want to hear it, 1,400 plus points, and the day's not over. And we have limits on how much we could fall in a day, so the, the breakers have been put in place. 
it slows down the selling, but it doesn't mean that the selling won't continue tomorrow. Calmer heads typically prevail. You're seeing the Russell 2000 small cap U.S. companies that don't have a lot of exposure to China down. You're seeing the NASDAQ dominated by big tech names down. You're seeing the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is 30 stocks down. It's a pretty ugly day, and it's gotten uglier as the hours have gone on. Keep your head. Don't do a knee-jerk reaction. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Facebook's getting downgraded. A lot of people have come to the conclusion that Mark Zuckerberg is a bad man. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money investing in more. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to do a quick Chad Burton segment. Mr. Burton? Joining me now, certified financial planner Chad Burton. He is with New Focus Financial. You can find them online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the areas that I find to be intriguing, again, there's a lot of components that go into retirement. There's mortgages and, and investing, and there's insurance, and there's budgeting. It, mortgages, 30-year uh, versus 15-year, paying it off early, don't pay it off early. Let's talk about one of the greatest arguments that I've had in financial radio is I don't ever prepay a mortgage until I'm wealthy. What's your thoughts on that statement? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Your house is going to go up and down in value regardless of how much you put into it. And especially if you're buying in areas like you know, the Bay Area, yeah. where there could be an earthquake at any time, that type of level of risk, I want the bank in on it with me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because the worst thing that could happen to you is you could end up uh, you know, walking away from that deal with really bad credit for a while. <laughs> so, and that's better than... Or a tax bill. If you know, Right now, if, uh, if you walk away short sell a home on your primary mortgage, it's, it's not going to be taxable in the past. It has been, so... Something that people don't acknowledge is they, they look at a mortgage and the first four letters are mort. You know, it's it's death. It's not a positive word. And I think it's a, it's a fantastic word because where record rates were in, in low mortgage rates, that's heaven. Mm-hmm. You get a tax deduct some of your income off the interest. That's amazing. That's a huge benefit of a mortgage. Um, you get it right off the interest against your taxable income. That's that's nice. Again, maybe that'll last forever. Maybe it won't last forever. But a mortgage is a cheap cost of money, Chad. Yeah. It doesn't readjust for inflation. And a lot of what you talk about is crap that readjusts for inflation. Like $100,000 in cost will be 200000 because it's readjusted for inflation. Your mortgage, your payment, 3000 a month, 4000 a month, it's the same. It doesn't readjust for inflation. And if it did, it, it would be a horrible product, but it doesn't. Well, and let's talk about the 15-year for a minute because 2011 was kind of a year where I first started saying, hey, you know, you should probably look at a 15-year mortgage to right. some people. Absolutely run the numbers. Because you can you can sit there and you can take your 30-year, which might have you know, 15 or 20 years left, refinance to a 15 year, possibly pay it off sooner. But again, that's, that's because it's already going to be paid off in a shorter period of time, or you're used to that payment. Um, I consistently find in states like Oregon and California, where I have clients, the people that go into retirement with a mortgage, which can still be a deduction on your state income tax return. Okay. Um, and the people that have long-term care insurance, which also can create tax deductions for you, they end up paying less in state income taxes. So as long as your mortgage is over 150, 180,000, but if your mortgage is under that, you're not really getting much of a bang for your buck anymore because right. the, the mortgage interest deduction is so small. It's almost the same thing as if you just do what's called a standard deduction and you're not writing off your interest. So 
you know, if, if people right now, your mortgage is only around $200,000, by all means, get it paid off by the time you retire, because it's not really going to be a tax deduction for you anyways. It's a pretty powerful tool. There's an investor named Mullenkamp. Do you remember Mullenkamp? Yeah. yeah. He wrote an article about mortgages back in the 70s, and, and the theory that he threw out there was, uh, it's not your home that goes up or down in value. It's the value of the mortgage that goes up or down in value. And it's a concept that most people just don't get, but... I think it's genius, and it changes the way people approach real estate. In my mind, once you once you grasp that concept, yeah, it's not the. I mean, it's the affordability of the, the affordability mortgage of the that mortgage. determines the price of the home, and so the affordability of the mortgage is run by two issues: interest rates and wage inflation. So it's not, you know, it, it, well, location can come into play a little bit too. But if interest rates are super high, even the location doesn't matter. So I'm not big on the whole uh, mortgage burning book at the end of the 30 years. Like uh, my parents, they wanted to burn their mortgage book. You know, the, the coupons, the payments they sent in, they'd have a mortgage burning party. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most powerful tool on the planet. It, it even allows me to sell my real estate without selling it by taking out another mortgage against it. So I think it's, it's unbelievably flexible and it should be a word that inspires awe, not fear. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Have you ever picked a fight with the wrong person? Whoa. And you suddenly feel like you're in over your head. And you ascertain, like, I'm going to get my, my hiney beaten down. No! It doesn't take long for your brain to say, see, there's a moment, that moment when you realize that even if you figure everything out, you're still going to get hurt. So the stock market kind of fell hard on Tuesday. It failed to hold the 200-day simple moving average, which a lot of traders believe in. I like to follow moving averages. If I'm going to invest in a short-term position, like I want to keep it a year, I'll take a look at a 200-day moving average, see what it's done. If I want to invest long-term, I'll take a look at a 10-year, see how it's done. There's no shame in looking at charts. Charts can tell you, like, what did that stock do on 9-11? What did that stock do when we elected President Trump? Because if you remember, that night, the world stock market panicked. What did the stock market do when, you know, overall, in a good year and a bad year? What did the stock do? in a good year, and a bad year. There's no shame in it. But the 200-day moving average, it happens fast on how we go from a good market that that is you know rallying, that's uh, refusing to break. It's the rubber band market. You know, bend but don't break. But now that we've crashed that 200-day moving average, all bets are off. We're in free fall. Will it last one day? Will it last 18 months? Will we go to zero? That's one of my favorite things I've done when I do television. When the market's down like 500 points, I'll say, well, let's take a look. If we're at Dow 25,000, we'll be at Dow zero in 50 days, right? You're like, don't be a jerk. There's a point where it's going to hold support. Uh, unless something really bad happens, like a nuclear strike, which, you know, it's, it's always going to be in the cards. So as a very, very young man, I always thought, you know, at some point in time, there's a city that's going to be obliterated by terrorists. Maybe I watched too much spy television and thought Jack Bauer is real. So a lot of traders are taking a look at Tuesday and saying, okay, we didn't hold that. 
So the rally cry is sell all. I'm getting more emails from people like you. People are fearful. People are upset that Kiss is on their farewell tour. Yeah, me too. So ETFs are going to be talked about a lot in the next couple of days. Do we own too much broadly? Do too many people own too much broadly? Because when you sell all, that's exactly what you're doing. You're selling all. And if you're selling out of your ETFs, you're selling little pieces of, of the companies that are captured in an exchange-traded fund. So that's going to get out there, and that's going to be a pretty big story, in my opinion. Dow drops 500, two-day losses down 1,300. Apple shares fall again after UBSC's weakest purchase intent for the iPhone in five years. Now, Apple, in their wisdom, for better or for worse, has an expensive phone, and they keep raising the price of their phones. Will this be the, the moment where they say, okay, economies are getting roughed up. We better come out with a cheaper phone. UBS slash Apple's price target to 210 from 225. It's at 170 right now. Uh, some analysts see it going as low as 165. The purchase intention. I think I'm pretty much so done being excited by phones. When the augmented reality features were talked about with Apple, it didn't really deliver. Yeah, it's got a cool app, which is called Measure, and you can measure like how big a piece of paper is or how big your TV is just by pointing your phone at it. So if you want a new television, you're like, I don't really remember what, my, my, what I bought last time, and you don't want to get out the tape measure because Lord knows that's too much work. You just zap it with your phone. So only 18% of survey respondents said they plan to buy an iPhone in the next 12 months. That's down from 21% last year and close to 17% in October 2015 during the iPhone 6S super cycle. So that's interesting, right? There was a point in time in the 90s and early 2000s where computers were getting a lot of innovation. I was excited as a young analyst to be following Intel when they went from the 8086 to the 286 to the 386 to the 486 to the Pentiums to whatever they are now, the eighth generation i9 processor, which followed the seventh generation, which followed the sixth generation. I don't even care anymore. We used to talk about Moore's Law is eventually going to run out, and, and uh, Intel won't be able to get more transistors smaller and, and, and faster. I don't even know if transistors is the right word anymore. <laughs> Showing you my ignorance, right? So I'm that way with the phone now. For a while, you're like, ooh, it's got a faster processor. Ooh, it's got an app store. Ooh, you could watch TV on it. Ooh. And now it's becoming, whoa, $1,200 plus tax. No bueno, no bueno. So it's interesting, like, um, I have friends in other states that have no income tax, no state income tax. So I'm like, can you buy my, me an Apple computer there, and I'll pay you back? So people find ways to just circumvent and get around the system. I don't do that, but I could. Apple Watch can now detect your irregular heart rhythms and other problems. I don't know. I, I sense this is going to create a lot of misreads and uh, false positives. And I feel a lot of people are going to be going to the emergency room because Apple Watch Series 4 they just put the new update, which can access the new feature to identify atrial fibrillation, a 
common form of an irregular heart rhythm, as well as opt into more passive monitoring. Anyone over the age of 22 can use these new heart health features, although not all of them are designed for people who have already been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Something tells me, I don't know. I'm not saying I don't trust Apple. Speaking of trust, you know who's getting a hit hard right now? Facebook. He's being considered a Don, Mark Zuckerberg. Did you just call him a member of the mafia? I didn't. Other people did. Um, and I saw one analyst say, Facebook's made too many enemies. And when you look back at it, they, they seem to have a very contentious relationship with governments. So Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg, savvy business, businessman, savvy corporate strategist. If you followed Facebook's history by even watching the Social Network movie, he's coming like a tactician, trying to maximize Facebook's revenue. Ruthless businessman, willing to metaphorically, not literally, but metaphorically kneecap competitors. He takes a look at Snap and offers to buy the company to say no, so he just starts copying their features. And Snap's dead. They're not dead, but uh, they're not thriving. Facebook is wielding user data like a commodity. And some of the internal emails are starting to come out and haunt Facebook. So is now the time to buy? Zuckerberg was intimately involved in a lot of the problems. Facebook debated whether and how to generate revenue from mobile games and other features that outside developers were stitching into Facebook. Zuckerberg took the position that Facebook should permit companies fairly broad and no-cost access to information about Facebook users. He argued that the decision would keep give developers the incentive to build fun things for Facebook users for them to do. Therefore, why not make it free? He said at one point in time that your data wasn't worth 10 cents. And now we're starting to see he changed his mind on that one. Uh, there was a point in time where Twitter had Vine. Uh, and Vine was kind of a thing. And to the point I was thinking, okay, 11-second videos. I get the, I don't get the 160-character thing. I don't get the 11-second limit on videos. But Vine was kind of catching on. So Facebook's willingness to copy potentially threatening technologies or impede rivals by using the social network's prodigious power. Um, they talked about Vine in internal emails, and he was ruthless. Um, now some people like that, some people don't. What are you supposed to do in business? Are you supposed to be lovely and sweet? Are you supposed to be a two-dimensional cartoon character? You start Facebook in a college dorm, and perhaps you don't understand how Facebook could become so huge and so big. And then when it does, you start like obsessing over the data. Drop the the. And that's what people Just are Facebook. saying. That companies like Facebook shut down Vine on Facebook because they saw it as a competitor. So Microsoft did the same thing. There was a company called Stacker at one point in time that doubled the size of your hard drive. And hard drives used to come, they weren't gigs. You know, you get like a 10 meg hard drive. So we double it to 20. And you're like, woo, that's, that's a good thing. I'll pay 20 bucks for that or 100 bucks for it. And Microsoft said, screw it, we'll just copy the technology and put it in our operating system. And you'll pay 120 bucks for our operating system. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. 
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, and ultimately, I'm a pretty good tipper. I've worked in the restaurant industry. Working in the finance industry, you try to take lessons of your life, and you've heard this one ad nauseum. If you cut a $5 Starbucks cup of coffee out of your life five times a week, that's $25 a week, that's $100 a month, that's $1,200 a year, that could fund your whole retirement nest egg and is worth $8 bazillion when you retire. Why not extend it to tipping if we're going to start talking stupid? You know, if you go out to eat dinner $500,000 and you stiff the waiter two bucks every time, that's going to equal $1 million. Now, I always overtip. And, you know, you're not supposed to tip on the taxable amount. You're supposed to tip on the pre tax. So sometimes it may look like you're under tipping. Waiters don't know that. But I don't know. 17% for bad service, 20% for good, 25% for great. If you have a personal relationship with a server and maybe on occasion they slip you a beer or you know, make sure they bring out the barbecue sauce that the boss wants them to charge money for, but they don't. Yeah, Ubers and housekeeping and valets, um, people that take up your bags. How much do you tip for pizza? Do you tip for the drive or do you tip for the, the bill amount? There's a lot of little rules that you just never really quite understand. You know, how wedding people, you manicurists, hairstylists, DJs, people that move you. Um, I know you're saying, hey, Rob, 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 stock market, focus on the stock market. I don't really care about your tipping habits. I know. That's why I did it. I kind of wanted to throw you off and just remind you that money is an issue in your life. And stock markets, daily moves, you're not going to remember in the long run. You know, 2008, when the market was falling apart, how do you feel about that? And then you get nine up years in stock market. You don't remember it. I, I can tell you, I know people who sold at the bottom. I know people who got out of the market and never got back in. And I know people now are going to you know, sell out of the market. Will they get back in? That's a big question. I could talk about Sears chairman Eddie Lampert submitting a $4.6 billion proposal to save Sears. But I don't think you really care. You want to talk about the markets. Lyft is filed to go public, signaling it could be the first major tech IPO of 2019 and a way for insiders to cash out. Lance Armstrong said he invested in Uber early, had an investment of $100,000 in Uber, essentially, when it was a company valued at just under $3 million. Now it's going to be valued at $30 billion. Wow. Some guys have all the luck. Some guys dope and cheat to get ahead and make millions. Yeah. I know you're saying, Rob, you should dope and cheat. Dow drops 550. Two-day loss Tuesday and Thursday, 1,300 points. That feels like a big one. Walgreens is launching next-day prescription delivery with FedEx to compete with Amazon. Amazon bought online pharmacy pill pack in June. Deal hasn't closed yet, but Amazon's going to get into healthcare big time. And companies like Walgreens need to start thinking about that before it's too late. The music industry was like, oh, that Napster. People are just stealing our music. And then they're like, oh, that Napster. Oh, good golly. That changed our business model forever. I remember when it was perfectly fine to steal music and you felt like music company makes too much money. 
I shouldn't have to pay $12, $15 for a CD when all I want is one song and the other nine songs stink. I know, but if it was your CD <laughs> that was being stolen, you probably had a different opinion on it, to be fair. So I hate doing it, but this market is really, it's going to be a thing on a lot of people's minds for the next couple of days. If nothing else, um, you're learning that you're vulnerable again, instead of market always going to highs. Can Trump win the 2020 re-election? With a Dow at 17,000? No way. No way. We vote with our pocketbook more often than not. I know you're saying, well, I'm a Republican. I've always voted Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm always a Democrat. But you may not vote on the years that you're doing good. You may go, let's just keep status quo. With interest rates rising the danger, um, right now, in my opinion, is junk bonds. And a lot of junk bonds would hit auto, home, and energy markets the hardest. Sometimes volatility, the perception is it's just volatility. It's just 1,300 points. We could be back at all-time highs in a month. But sometimes volatility becomes very real, and it changes people's attitudes when they suddenly realize, oh, I'm vulnerable. Uh, people tend to divorce more when the economies are strong. People tend to stay together when economies are weak. Sometimes perception becomes reality. So, I don't know. Everyone on the right is saying that they warned that this would happen. The Democrats won back the House in the midterms. The left laughed. Now everyone on the left is saying, see what you get with president, with the Republican president. So everyone's making it their own little tragedy, and they're pointing fingers at who they want to. Um, the U.S.-China relations are a sticky point. Higher interest rates are a sticky point. Employment's not... Housing is a sticky point. It's had a bad 11-month run. So 800-516-1220 to always get your calls on the show. Drop me an email at Rob, Rob Black Show. 800-516-1220. Let's talk markets. Let's, let's, let's see how things play out. Don't panic. Reevaluate for sure. But don't panic. No knee jerks. That's when you get the worst prices. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com